Tonight's message on, and I may have touched around on the subject through the years because you couldn't avoid it, no doubt, but this is new to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 1, 9. Um, it doesn't take very long to go in life before you realize uh, failure. Uh, I, I have on here the title of this is The Lessons of Failure. Um, the lessons of failure. When you go to a Christian college, if you go to a Christian college or if you go to a higher education or Christian school, um, even our school, we have all kinds of courses on how to live the Christian life and what, what you need to do to succeed in the Christian life. Uh, we really equip our kids with, with, a, with, a, with that as well as to maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ, read your Bible, pray, seek his face, walk with him. Uh, but we do not have a course, I'm pretty, pretty sure about this, on how to deal with failure, how to deal with failure. It's hard for a parent to allow his child to fail while possessing the ability to stop it. Now this, I'm, I'm appealing to you parents tonight. I'm appealing to you to if, you know, the kind of love God has for us is tough love. It's not pansy, sissy, type love. It's tough love. And, uh, but he wants the best for us. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Brother Tom Gillespie's dad loved him, but he made him work like a dog, if I may say it that way. And... Uh, didn't cut him any slack when it came to work and duties and was hard on him. In other words, the people, and we, we've said this, people have gone to school much, will say the hardest teachers they had were the best teachers. Now, that's the ones who made you hate life while you were in the course. I had a course, and I was full up. My schedule's full up. I'm married with a kid. I, I'm, I'm working, you know, trying to work 35, 40 hours a week. I'm working nice till 10 o'clock, getting up at 5 getting up at 2 o'clock, trying to study for finals and stuff and do that kind of crazy. In my 20s, you know, you got the energy and you're just making it happen. And I took this one course called Minor Prophets, and the guy's name was Jesse Boyd. Boy, I'm clear tonight. I'm clear tonight. Jesse Boyd. Wow. Been with, been with the Lord a long time. Jesse Boyd about had the Bible memorized. When I knew him, he was probably 70 years old. He was a phenomenal guy. Lived for God, walked with God, pastored a church for a long time, then went in the final few years, taught at school. And I took him for a course called Minor Prophets. Now, Minor Prophets at that point in my life were somewhat of a mystery. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, you know, all that. I was kind of like, hmm, what do those books mean? You know, I've read them. Well, by the time Jesse Boyd got done with you, you felt you knew those people. You felt you'd walked with those folks. I mean, he, he gave us a memory verse list the first day we walked in there that would knock your socks off of verses that I didn't even know were in the Bible. These were all minor prophet verses. And he gave us a stack of cards about that thick, all minor prophet verses. And I, and I would read the verse over, and it was worded such. I thought, there's no way I'm going to memorize this. 
I don't have time to do all this. You know, write a paper, and you had to read the Minor Prophets once a week. That's about two and a half hours. And then with all the other courses and all the other stuff, and I was about half upset. And I'm paying the guy to do this to me. Because I'm too lousy, easy on myself to do it. And that's the truth. So I'm letting him beat me up because I won't beat myself up. But I know I need to be beat up to get what I'm supposed to get. Does that all make sense to you? It should. And a parent, the biggest flaws in most parents I see are not that uh, they don't provide for their children or they, they, they don't love their children. or The trouble is they, they, they don't love their children enough to allow them to fail. This may be one of the hardest lessons of good parenting. The parent that does not understand the principle of this sermon constantly will save their children from the realities of life, the failures that they may have. And they'll, they'll, they'll bail, you've heard it, they'll bail them out. It's the psychologists of our day, which I don't like what they do, but they'll say they enable them, they enable them. There's been so many cases where if a parent would have just let the kid go all the way down, there would possibly have been hope that the child may have, as Steve Currington would have said, may hit the bottom and, by the way, look up to God. But they kept enabling them and, you know, giving them an apartment and giving them a place to live and underwriting this and underwriting that and helping them just as they were ready to reap what they had sown. They got in between the kid and God. Because you understand that reaping, that sowing and reaping principle is a God principle. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. That's Bible. And so if you know that to be true and believe it to be true and then keep your child from understanding that by experience, you do not really love your child. You love yourself more than you love your child. I know those are hard words. Meditate on them. I know it's instinctive. My, oh my, it's instinctive for a parent to stop a child's suffering. When a parent said, help me, when a kid's, when a kid's going, calls you up in the phone, you grandparents, I'm talking to you grandparents. These, these grandkids call up, ah, help me. Basically, it would say, bail me for the mistakes I've made. Stop it! <clears throat> if the child or any of us do not learn this lesson, we will continue to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Because to succeed in this life, one must learn how to fail and how to recover. Oh, that's it right there. Failure's part of life. It's part of success. I told you this last week. I, if you go to Disneyland, and as soon as you go in, you go to the right there, that is a little apartment that Disney used to stay at when he first built the place. Now they show a 30-minute movie there. Anybody been there? Anybody been to that? Yeah, you been there? 
the rest of these people are, oh, let's go, let's go get some cotton candy. But anyway, I toured, I toured Disney's apartment. You got to do that, Doc, against the will of all the people with you. Go to Disney's apartment, tour his little apartment there, and as that 30-minute movie is the life of Disney. What happened? And he attributed the success he had in this world, in business, to his two bankruptcies that he had because he had to learn the lessons that caused the two bankruptcies and how to recover before he could ever have gotten to the place he eventually made uh, in this world, the success he did. I went to the Wright Brothers Museum. If you've ever taken any kind of trip with Tom Cronin, he is Mr. Museum. He goes from museum to museum to museum. And I personally would have never darkened the door of a museum if it wouldn't be for Tom Cronin. He told me, he told me, he said, let's go to Gettysburg. And I go, oh, brother, what a boring trip. So I said, okay, let's go to Gettysburg. So we went to Gettysburg Museum. Wow, $15 million museum. I cried. I cried that mile-wide march of 15,000 men across there into the mouth of, of, of the fire of the Union Army. I thought, what in the world? What in the world? Then he said, let's go to Springfield. We were out, out by Illinois somewhere. He said, let's go to Springfield. There's a big museum in Springfield. Well, I just wonder if Jeffrey Larson has been there to Springfield Lincoln Museum in Springfield. You're uh, Illinois-born, aren't you? I'm trying to convince you, brother. There's room at the altar. Hey, but you, when you're up in Springfield, I know this sounds boring, but trust me, it isn't. Go to that. It's a 15, another $15 million museum. They got Abraham Lincoln, the seat he sat on when he got shot in the head. The blood is on the seat still. They got the gloves were in his pocket. The blood's still on the gloves. They, they saved all that. They knew it was historical. And I don't know, maybe that don't excite you, but I mean, that's history, brother. That's in history. And Abraham Lincoln was hated every bit as much as Donald Trump. They hated Lincoln like they hate Donald Trump. They, made mo they have a whole room of newspaper headlines mocking him, uh, uh, the drawings of him looking stupid. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln now. And all of this other stuff about Abraham Lincoln, they hated him. They hated him. And I thought, I thought Abraham Lincoln was one of the most beloved presidents we've ever had. He may be now, but he wasn't then. The Wright brothers, I'm getting to it. The Wright brothers, this will only be an hour and a half sermon, just relax. The Wright brothers, we were... He said, let's go visit the Wright, Museum, Wright Brother Museum. I said, look, I know they, invented, they learned how to fly, but I don't care anything about that. But he said, no, no, you're going to want to go. So we go up to the Wright Brothers Museum. How many have been to the Wright Brothers Museum? A little bit more, a few more. Wasn't that good? They got the original plane there. They got, they got a piece of stuff that went to the moon, came back. I don't know if that makes sight you or not. But, uh, it's, and they, they got all kinds of stuff up there. And you go to the beach where they, where they got in the, the, the wind and everything, and they figured, you know what I learned about that? They failed a lot. They failed a lot. The Wright brothers failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. You may say, hey, dummy, but they didn't know about the principal lift. They didn't know about that. The birds were out there showing them 
but they, it took them a while to figure the front of the bird's wing is bigger than the back of the bird's wing, and that creates a principle called lift. But it took them a little while to, to figure that out as they looked at these birds flying around and eventually got it. But they failed. Thomas Edison, right in our own town. How many have been to Thomas Edison Museum? <laughs> okay, that's better. That's better. I was getting mighty lonely. I can tell you, people don't go to museums. They hate just the idea of a museum. It's like, oh, but I'm telling you, they're exciting now. I'm sold. And so, uh, Thomas Edison Museum, man, he, how many, what did he, what he fail over a thousand times trying to find the filament for the light bulb? Over a thousand failures. And every time he failed, they said, don't get discouraged. That's just one more thing I know won't work. He just one more thing and knew it didn't work. And he kept going, and kept going, kept going. And to, now this is LED, but I mean, it's a whole new technology here. But uh, I'm sure it took him a while to figure out LED. But it had to do with failure and picking yourself up and moving forward, picking yourself up and moving forward, picking yourself up and moving forward. We put a man on the moon. I know from the way things are that you didn't put a man on the moon without a whole bunch of failure. I mean, a whole bunch of failure blowing up the rockets on the lift and this and that and the other thing. You had to have a lot of failure. It's been said, and I believe it to be true, failure is just a one step to success if reacted to correctly. Amen? If reacted to correctly. God makes it clear in the Bible that fail, failure will be part of our life. Uh, let's look at our text, 2 Corinthians 1.9. That was the introduction. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. You would have thought that Paul would have pastored a megachurch, a church of maybe 20, 30, 40,000 people. I mean, we're talking about probably the best gospel preacher that ever walked the planet Earth. We're talking about a guy who knew the Old Testament better than probably anybody that's ever walked the planet Earth. We're talking about a guy who walked with Jesus and was personally taught by Jesus, maybe better than anybody that walked the planet Earth. And yet, he just had little handfuls of people, and in fact, that, they, pretty soon they got where they didn't like him. I mean, read the epistles. He says, here to the Second Corinthians, he says, man, we had a sentence of death in ourselves. And you can read the rest of the chapter and you see where he was at. But why, why did God let us fail like that? Why did God let us have a, such a, such, man, as soon as he'd go into church, lead a bunch of people to Christ, get a little church, false prophets would come right behind him. And they would say he was, a, he was a, a false apostle. He was a fake apostle. He was born out of due season. He wasn't real. And, and then he started teaching law. They say, now you really can be, you can be saved by grace, but you've got to obey the law of Moses. No. He said, man, if an angel or anybody else preached any other gospel, let them be accursed. Book of Galatians. Why do you have such trouble? He tells you right here in verse 9 that you would not trust in yourself. Oh, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of meat in this tonight. I'm, I'm throwing out some ribeye tonight. You may choke on it, but I'm going to give it to you. Failure is written in the very constitution of our physical body. Your body is constantly failing, but recovering faster than it is failing. The little I've read about the body, the skin cells are constantly dying and shedding off. You know that when you take, I mean, the older I get, the worse this gets. I take my clothing off, and on the inside is this white powder. Where would that come from? It's my skin. My skin's dying. Now, what is getting old? Getting old is when you begin to die faster than you begin to recover. 
That's right. You begin to die a little quicker and more and more. That's why you get wrinkles. You lose your elasticity. Your cells don't regenerate like they did. They regenerate poorer than the generation before them. And then the next group, a little poorer than that group. And the next group, a little poorer than that group. And pretty soon, boop, you're heaven. It's written in our very constitution. Recovery of the skin cells keeps up with us until we hit about, I don't know what is it, 35, 40, something like that. You hit the top of the hill, and then you go, and it's not real steep at the beginning. It goes like this, 40, 40, 40, 50, 50, 60, 80. 80 is like vertical. 90, you are literally going backward then. Let me give you a quote uh, from the, uh, the Green Letters by Miles Stanf Stanford. I love the guy. If you haven't read the Green Letters, get them and read them and read them and read them and do it again. Here's what he says. The neediest of this earth are not those who are having heartbreaking, agonizing struggles for victory, but those who are having no struggle at all and no victory who do not know it and who are satisfied and jogging along in a pitiable absence of almost all the possessions that belong to them in Christ. Man, I like that statement. Page 55, if you get the book. By the way, Paul understood this real well. 2 Corinthians 4.11 says, for, which, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. To the degree that you allow your flesh to die and Christ and the Holy Spirit to live is the same degree that you'll excel in Christ or you'll struggle miserably as a Christian. The need that God allows to be created by the failure drives us to God. You agree with that? Uh, trouble drives us to God, right? As a born-again Christian, it doesn't drive you away from God. It drives you to God. Um, pain drives us to God. It don't drive you away from God. It drives you to God. Now, I don't like trouble, and I don't want pain. And who would say amen to that? If you don't, you're a masochist. The third thing is struggle drives us to God. So we got troubles drives us to God. Pain drives us to God. Struggle drives us to God. Where the real solution is. Where's the real solution? In God. But you know what? I'm a pretty much of a hardhead. And I kind of want to believe the solutions everywhere but God. It's with my will, with my ability, with, with, uh, with anything else but God. And he says, no, I love you. You're my child. I want to teach you the reality of the universe. And the reality of the universe is I'm the only one that can help you. And, but you say, well, no, no, you know, God, this will, I can do this. No, no, it's, I'm the one. you got to come to me. Oh, yeah, but, you know, I think we can, I can make it, man. I can make it. I can do it. Now, you know, the flesh is arrogant. The flesh is, is proud. The flesh is, is self-sufficient. 
self-righteous, all of those bad things, by the way, that the Bible speaks about. Self-efforts cannot deliver you. The flesh profiteth nothing. Self-will cannot deliver you. Self must die, and Christ must live in you. Conquering and claiming the victory already won. Do you know Christ has done everything that we need? It's all completed. And you know it's available to you, but he'll not give it to you mixed with the flesh. No, 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 no. You gotta, it's gotta be a hundred percent him. He ain't gonna mix it with the flesh. Give like the flesh twenty percent credit and the spirit eighty percent credit. It's not gonna work. Romans chapter 6 says it in verse 11 through 14 this way, Likewise, reckon ye. The word reckon means to claim or account as done. Reckon ye also yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign your mortal body that you may obey it in lesser of. Now, it's not talking about the flesh letting. You can't stop sin with the flesh. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The flesh can't do that. For sin, this is a statement that just boggles me, the sin shall not have dominion over you. Don't you like that? For sin, the devil wants to tell you you're just a subject of sin and unable to overcome it and fight it. God says, no, no, under grace, if you'll die to your flesh and depend on and claim the Spirit's power that are available to you, the love, joy, peace, love, suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, if you'll claim that and ask God to give it to you, more than willing to give it to you, but he won't do it if you're doing 50-50 or 65-35 or 60-40 or any of those other combinations. It's got to be 100% him. He'll say, I'll help you. I can't tell you how many people through the years I've talked to that went to God on something and say, God just took the desire away from me. In fact, I, 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 there, somebody very likely in this room tonight talked to me about how they had an addiction and it was bad and how they went to God and just, he just, he, they couldn't beat it any way. All of a sudden, God just like, when they gave it to God and said, God, if I'm ever going to get over it, it's going to be you, they just, they're, he said, to this day, I've never had another desire for that addiction. Now, that's miraculous, about it. physiologically miraculous, actually. But you're not under law, but under grace. That is why often God allows us to struggle for many years in the flesh. He's trying to convince you and me that whatever we're doing in the flesh is not the answer, that we need to give it to him, reckon it to him. Claim it as, as a done deal. Claim it dead. Reckon it dead. And then keep it dead. How many testimonies through the years I've heard that. Failure pushes one to realize that without outside help, that is God's help, that we're doomed. Romans 7 verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, 
dwelleth no good thing. Is that hard for you to say? Is that hard for you to say? For to this, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I am dangerous. Very dangerous. In the flesh. Amen. My flesh has not gotten Actually, it's not gotten any better. My flesh has gotten worse with age. Amen? It's gotten worse with age. And I cannot trust the flesh, lean on the arm of the flesh in any way. Uh, think maybe because I'm old, uh, I'm better. I'm not better. Because in the flesh, don't not one good thing dwells. So if any good thing is ever in me or through me, it'll be what I've yielded. God lives through me and does good things. For my flesh, but it's not my flesh that's doing it. It's the Spirit that's doing it. And walking in the Spirit, I talked to, I was talking to Mr. Ludwig uh, about that. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. What's the difference between somebody that succeeds and somebody don't? The one's walking with the Lord in the Spirit. The other was walking in the flesh. And, and, and they that are in the flesh cannot, I think you quoted that. They in the flesh cannot please God. God's not going to give your flesh one ounce of credit. Because, in fact, where's your flesh going to end up? Right there in the ground. You have to die because you've got to get rid of the flesh to go to heaven. Amen? Death is a release of the spirit so we can go to heaven. In God's due time. I think we need to get this truth real good. Your flesh is profitless. No good thing comes from it. But trust me on this. Uh, we will coddle our flesh and we will romance around our flesh and we will pamper our flesh and we will treat it so, so nicely. And we'll starve our spirit to death. Won't read our book. Won't pray. Won't see God's It's amazing. And then we wonder. I wonder... You know what? They'll say, that preacher, we ought to get us a new preacher because I just haven't been growing under his ministry. Brother, if he's out there preaching the Bible, who's the problem? John 6, 63 says, it's the spirit that quickeneth. Quickeneth means to make alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life. Well, now, if these words that Jesus spoke and have been in the Bible are spirit and life, I think you want to get to know them. And that's why from day one, we talked about read your Bible and pushing reading your Bible and hobby horse and reading your Bible. Because we know, as born-again believers, walking in the spirit, that the life comes from the words. The words that speak unto you are life and and. They quicken your spirit, and your spirit and the Word work together back and forth, feed off of each other, and, and ooh, ignore this, excuse yourself, and you'll not grow as a Christian. You'll blame the church, you'll blame the preacher, you'll blame something, because the flesh is real big into blame, by the way. 
oh my, it's good at doing that. The flesh is weak. Jesus said the flesh profits nothing. Do you, do you believe that? So quit trying to live the Christian life in the power of your will. I've met people who are pretty disciplined people, pretty disciplined folks. You know what I mean by that? Get up at 4 o'clock every day, you know, brush your teeth every day, bathe every day, put deodorant on every day. I mean, disciplined people. And they could almost fake it. They could almost fake being a Christian. But it always blew up. It always blew up. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to, condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How are you walking tonight? You weren't, you're struggling tonight? You're struggling in your home? You're struggling in your, in your personal life? You're struggling? I can tell you it's not because there's not power available. It's not because the Holy Spirit's not available. It's not because he's not available. It's not because the Bible's not there for you. The words of life are available. It's because you have not acknowledged what I'm preaching tonight, that the flesh can't help you, and it's got to be God to help you. Now, the failure you're, you're, you're experiencing is God pushing you to him. He just keeps telling you, it ain't going to work, ain't going to work, ain't going to work. The flesh simply cannot please God no matter what or noble, no matter how noble it may seem to be. So we need to start appropriating the power of the Spirit. Understanding failure uh, is there to help us to realize that we cannot do it without God. You say, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. You will. Seek God. Read the book. You will. God will manifest himself to you. Do you believe God wants to know you? He wants to know you more than I want to know you. That's right, that's right. God loves you more than I love you. Of course he wants to know you. Of course he wants you to succeed. I mean, he's done everything to make it happen. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors, Romans 8, 12, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit, ooh, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One day, Joe Witness' team and Joe Witness came by my house, knocked on my door, and they were very knowledgeable people. And they were very polite, were well-dressed, well-mannered. And they, and they said, we are the best, most organized religion in the world. And I said, you are. And he goes, looks at the other guy. We got one. I said, you are the most organized. I envy a lot, of, a lot of how organized you are, how you don't miss houses, how you do go out in rural community, which I'll bring up later, and, and how you just, just don't, not a stone's unturned. The problem is, you're doing all that in the energy and the power of the flesh. And I says, what we're doing, and I'll agree, we're sloppy. We are sloppy. 
But as sloppy as we are, we're doing it in the power of the Spirit. The difference between us is you're an organization that's extremely proficient, efficient. We're an organism that is alive and breathing the breath of God. And typically machines are a lot more, what am I going to say, neat and, you know, they get everything done than, than organisms, you know what I mean, like, like an animal or organism. And so it makes sense that the local church and the local churches that have been created by the Holy Spirit are a little, they're not like machines, amen? The Spirit-led church is not a machine. No, no. Not an organism. Not an organization. It's an organism. We are alive and breathing by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit of God. They that are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now, do you believe you can do that if he asks you to do it? Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you can do it. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science, Billy. It's put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. You go to the book. You understand a little bit about Romans and about the Holy Spirit. And you go to him and say, I cannot do this in my flesh. For in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In my flesh profiteth nothing. Lord Jesus, I want to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or I don't want to do it at all. Would you help me? to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to rely on the Spirit. And when failure and whatever comes, I just trust the Spirit. I reckon myself dead indeed unto sin, alive unto God, and just keep claiming the things that the Bible said you've already won. And God will come. I don't want to do this without God. I don't want to live this life without God. I don't want to live a machine life. I want to live an organism life that's the Spirit of God. And boy, I don't care what comes or what, what gets thrown your way. Just keep. We have the sentence of death in ourselves. He said. That we would not trust in ourselves. Now look, the great apostle Paul had a tendency to trust in himself. If he had it, I got it for sure, right? I mean, you know, I got it. He walked with Jesus. He went up in the third heaven. I have no doubt that, that Paul got to go to heaven. Now, you let me go to heaven for five minutes. It may help me. <laughs> the only problem would be when I came back, I'd be crying for three, four weeks uncontrollably. I bet the hardest thing for Paul was when he came back, he had to stay here a while. Man, ooh, got to go to heaven. Oh, now, by the way, you can't tell anybody what you've seen and how what you've seen because those are unlawful to speak. So he couldn't even share this stuff. He, couldn't, he was forbidden to share it, like Daniel. He said, no, 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 Daniel, you've seen these things. You can't say anything about them. It'll let something out of the bag. Don't do it. 
You know why he keeps us in suspense? Because he wants you to rely on him. Amen? What he's revealed in the Bible is enough that we need to know. It's all we need to know. I say, you know, sometimes, man, sometimes I like to, I like to have somebody, I like to, no, I'm just like you. Sometimes I'd like to have Pastor McKinney come to me and talk to me again. Say, preacher, keep up, keep on doing right, keep doing right or doing. I'd like to have one, some old brother from the past come up to you and say, brother, oh, I'd like that. But God says, no, 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 you need to rely on me like everybody else has had to when there's nobody else. What you're doing as senior pastor, God loves it when you risk stuff. What Brother Moon's doing is what God loves us to do. Risk everything. Lay it on the table. I love it. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. Your wife may not be, but I'm excited for you. I, I'm excited. Wow. I'm excited. Father, help us. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.